much. Thank you. Thank you, choir and our praise team, and thank all of you for singing this morning. My goodness gracious. Choir, thank you so much. I just, that blessed my heart. My, my, my. Great job. If you brought your Bibles, please turn to Psalm, the book of Psalms, and we want to look at Psalm 11. Psalm 11, I want to share one verse there. Psalm 11, verse 3, and I'm um, going to be sharing a sermon this morning entitled, Defend the Faith, Defend the Faith, Psalm 11, verse 3, and then we'll go over to the book of Jude, only one chapter, and we'll look at verse 3 and 4, as I share, Defend the Faith. This afternoon, I mentioned that our faith family will be ordaining Brother Mike Norton into the gospel ministry. Not only will his duty be to be the under-shepherd of a local church, but his primary duty will be to preach the Word, to preach the Word of God. 2 Timothy 4.2 simply says, preach the Word. Preach the Word. Preach the Word. Be faithful to preach the Word in season, out of season. Preach it when it's popular. Preach it when it's not popular, but just preach the Word. Preach when it's favorable, when it's not favorable, but just preach the Word. So we want to share this morning in regards to defending the faith. We'll see what all that's about. If you would, look at Psalm 11, verse 3. The psalmist said, If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? I found John Phillips in his commentary. I want to share what he said. It's really good. It talks about that word foundations. If the foundation be destroyed, comes from a Hebrew word which simply means to settle the order of things. He said the foundation of society, this is Phillips, the foundation of society is law and order, justice and truth. If law and order, justice and truth are undermined in a society, then what can the righteous do? In the original text, the form of the question is such that David can find no answer. It's a rhetorical question, really. What can the righteous do? Nothing. If the foundations begin to crumble... Of society. Got to be careful. What can the righteous do? These are the very foundations which are being destroyed in Western society today. He lists them. Law, order, truth, justice, morality, decency, integrity. Humanist and libertarian views prevail in our schools, our courts, our government, and our media. A determined attack is being mounted against everything decent, moral, and Christians in our society. The foundations are being destroyed to make room for the coming reign of the man of sin. You get that? And that, and that was written several, several years ago. And so the psalmist says, if the foundations be destroyed... What can the righteous do? Maintaining the foundation is very important. 
If you would, look to the book of Jude, over near the book of Revelation. You have Jude and then Revelation, last chapter, or last book in the Bible. But you only have one chapter of Jude. Jude, verse 3 and verse 4, defend the faith. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the coming salvation... It was needful for me to write unto you and to exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Now, I underlined some words when I was preparing this sermon. Underlined once, or contend, earnestly contend, once delivered unto the saints. Verse 4, for there are certain men crept in unawares, they slipped into the church unnoticed, who were before owed ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men. Here's what they were doing. They were turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's have a prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we've had to come into your presence to worship you, to sing hymns and songs of praise, to pray, and now to listen to your word. Please allow your Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts, move our hearts, lead us, Father, into decisions that we need to make in our own personal lives. I pray for each person here today. And Father, I pray as your word goes forth, we claim the promise that it won't return void. It'll work into each life that hears it, each heart, each mind. And so, Father, I pray you'll be with me as I share your word. Give me the words to say, the right spirit to say them in. And may you be glorified in everything. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Defend the faith. As we read in Psalms, or as we read in Psalms 11, verse 3, and Jude 3, uh, 3 and 4, the psalmist, Jude, challenged us as Christians to defend the faith. Jude 3 says that we should earnestly contend to defend the faith. We should earnestly. That means that we should take up the issue as combatants. We're in a war. That war is against God's Word. And so as a Christian, we need to earnestly contend to be in the battle, to become combatants in regards to defending the Word of God. Now, for background, I mentioned just a little, there was a war against the Scripture during the time of Jude. And uh, I don't need to remind you that there's a war against the Word of God today. Some think it's foolish, some think it's out of date. Some think, really, it's judgmental. Some think it has no place in our society today. However, we're reminded that we're to, and challenged, not just to sit idly by, not to sit on the sidelines, and not to do, we're, we're reminded that we shouldn't just sit there and not do anything in order to defend the faith. If the foundations be destroyed... What shall the righteous do? Now, Jude sounds the call to battle by saying, Contend for the faith 
which was once delivered unto the saints. This is important. So the question is, how do we contend for the faith? Well, if you're looking at your outline, first of all, number one, understand the content of the mandate. What's he talking about? First of all, what's the faith? Contend for the faith. What's the faith? Now, when I got saved, I placed my faith in Jesus Christ. I, I was saved through faith. You're saved through faith. Salvation, faith. Trusting, faith. But the, the foundations that the psalmist is speaking about and the faith that Jude is challenging us to contend is not salvation faith. The psalmist is not speaking about salvation faith. Jude is not speaking about salvation faith. Faith in Christ denotes an act of believing. I believe, that Je I believe the gospel. I believe that Jesus came. Jesus died on the cross for my sins. Jesus was buried. Jesus arose again the third day. One day Jesus is coming back. That's the next great thing on the prophetic calendar. We're waiting for Jesus to come. But the faith in Jude 3 is that in which we believed the Word of God. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believeth in Him, trust Him, put their faith in Him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. So I put my faith, that's salvation faith, in Jesus Christ. I believed on Jesus Christ. The faith in Jude 3 is that which is, that which is believed, so, friend, listen, faith, the faith is the body of Bible doctrine that makes up the complete revelation of truth. That's the best way I can say it. The faith that we're to defend is the, is the body of Bible doctrine that makes up the complete revelation of truth. Salvation faith is what? Believe in Bible doctrine. And Bible doctrine makes up the complete truth about God. So the point is, the faith is the full and final revelation of God that is contained in Holy Scripture. When he says, when he says defend the faith, he said, listen, you need to defend the final revelation of God that's contained in Holy Scripture. There's not going to be any more. The faith is the word of truth unfolded from Genesis all the way to Revelation, the Bible. The faith that we're to defend is the word of God. Therefore, our mandate is to contend for the faith, for the word of God. And the content of the mandate is the faith or the Holy Scriptures or the word of God from Genesis through until the book, or through the book of Revelation. So, understand what we're defending. Understand the content of the mandate. What we're defending is the faith. The faith is not salvation faith. It's not believing faith. But the faith is the doctrine between Genesis and Revelation that we, that we are to defend. The Holy Scriptures. It's important. So, understand the content of the mandate. Secondly, the completeness of the mandate. Now, Jude 3, if you'll notice, 
Jude 3 says something very interesting. It, it says, let me turn over. Jude 3 says, Beloved, when I give all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto all saints. This faith, the Holy Scripture, was once delivered. So we're looking at the completeness of the mandate. It was once for all delivered. Notice it wasn't delivered once upon a time, but it was delivered once and for all. Once and for all. Delivered unto the saints. Once and for all. In your translations. Once and for all. Notice it wasn't delivered once upon a time, but once for all. That, the point is, there can be no additions, there can be no subtractions to God's holy word. It was delivered once. And for all. The Bible's the finished work. Period. Finished. The last warning you find in the Bible is in Revelation chapter 22. Revelation 22. And um, listen, it's the last chapter, last book, last chapter, Revelation 22, verse 18. Listen to what Paul said through the Spirit. He said, For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of this prophecy, of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. If any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in the book. And so that's the last warning in the Bible. Don't add to, don't take away from the holy scriptures. They have been delivered once and for all. So the Bible's complete. It's finished. It's interesting to know that the same word once, there in Jude 3, that's, that same word once is used in Hebrews 9, 26 and 28. Hebrews 9, 26 and 28. Let me turn back there. I don't know if I gave it to the sound booth or not. But Hebrews 26 Hebrews 26 talks about how Christ was, was uh, paid the penalty for sin. Hebrews chapter 9. This came to me. I didn't have that mark. But Hebrews chapter 9, verse 26, talking about the word once. Hebrews 9, verse 26. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world, but now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. He, he did away with sin. He appeared once to do away with sin, and that's it. No more. No more. Hebrews 9 says Christ died once. He died once. Hapax is the Greek word, meaning the atonement is complete. There's no more atonement for sin. The cross is the finished work of God, and so is the Word of God. He delivered it once and for all. 
can add to it, can take away from it. It's once and for all. It is finished. It is the finished Word of God. It was given once and for all. It's complete. And so the Scripture is forever finished in heaven. Astronomers may be looking through a telescope, and they may find a a new star, but the discovery is never added to the universe. Why is that? Because it's always been there. God placed it there and God named it. And so it is with the Bible. So it is with the Scripture. We can learn more and more about it, but you can't add to it or take from it because it is the finished apex. It is once and for all. That's it. No special revelations later. The book of Jude is just a book about, it's a book about apostasy. How ungodly, unholy men had crept into the church to teach false doctrine there in verse 4. And now here's the warning, take heed. If anyone seeks to add to, take away. If someone that you know claims a new revelation other than is revealed in this book, if they claim they have something new, they have something different, something that's left out, if they have this new revelation that's, 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 that's other than this book, that, my friend, is evidence of apostasy. This has been, this has been given once and for all. No, nothing, nothing new, nothing taken out. It's complete. The point is, the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints does not need any documents whatsoever discovered 1,800 years ago, hidden under a rock by an individual. Don't need it. We all have, we already have it once and for all. Be careful. The faith, it was delivered to the saints once and for all. It's finished. It's finished. Galatians 1. Galatians 1 verse uh, 8. I don't know um, if I put that. Yeah, there it is on the board for you. I'll just read it from there. But though we have an angel from heaven, if an angel from heaven came to you and preached any other gospel, preached any gospel unto you, then that which we've already preached unto you, let him be accursed. There's no other gospel. None other. It's finished. So you have the content of the mandate, which is the word of God. You have the completeness of the mandate. It's finished. Nothing to add to, nothing to take away. Then you have the custodian. The custodians of the mandate. Did you see that? Look back there, if you will, at Jude. Jude, Jude, verse 3, the bottom part. It was once and delivered unto the saints. The custodian of the mandate, the custodian of the gospel, the custodian of the word of God are the saints. Jude says the faith that we're to defend, which is the Word of God, was delivered to the saints there in verse 3. So, the point is, we have in our care the Word of God. That's why we can't sit idly by if it's ridiculed and if it's torn apart. Notice, it was, it was delivered. It was delivered to the saints. It was entrusted to the saints. 
You and I would not have had this book had it not been for the faithful ones who passed it down throughout the ages and delivered it to us. It was delivered to the saints. You may not be aware of it, but many, many people, many, many people have given their lives to pass this book down to you and I. So the bottom line, it's been passed down to you and to me. And so parents, we have, to, we have to hand the faith that's been passed to us to the next generation. That's why it's important to have your children studying God's Word. Have them in Sunday school. Have them in uh, discipleship training. Have them, every time the church comes together and teaches the Word, you need to have your children here. I believe in all my heart that is the worst child abuse any parent could make is to keep the Word of God from their child. All eternity is based on them knowing that they're lost without Jesus and they can be saved through Jesus. We're one generation from closing the door churches. One generation away. It was delivered to us. It wasn't discovered by us, but it was delivered to us, and it's our responsibility to contend for it, to be a combatant for it, to fight for the Word of God. And so you have, fourth and finally, you have the command to contend. How are we to defend this faith, the Word of God? First of all, we have to love the faith, that which we believe. We have to love it. People fight for what they love. You'll, you'll fight for your spouse. You'll fight for your wife. You'll fight for your husband. You'll give your life for your wife, your husband, your children. Why is that? Because you love them. Soldiers fight. They fight wars and conflicts for the love of freedom and liberty and the way of life. So the first step in learning to contend for the faith is to love the faith. Love the Word of God. Love it. And the way you start loving the written Word is to fall in love with the living Word. The way you love the written Word is to fall in love with the living Word, which is Jesus Christ. How do you defend the faith? We love the faith. And then secondly, we learn the faith. We learn it. It's hard to defend something that you don't know about. You learn the Word. That's why we have discipleship training on Sunday night. We're trying to learn biblical doctrine. We're trying to learn how to prepare to, to, uh, uh, to stand on God's Word and, and what it says and what He teaches. And so we learn. We, we contend by loving it. We contend by learning it. And, and I, I don't know about about learning it, loving it, and learning it for some folk. If I asked you this morning, do you love the Word of God? You'd probably say, I love God's Word. How, how can you love something you don't know anything about? We say we love it. I believe one of the most tragic things in our day is biblical illiteracy. And I say that, I see it, I see it from time to time in pulpits, and I see it in the pew. 
So there's three areas that we must be able to give an adequate defense when we're talking about defending the faith. First of all, defending the inerrancy of the Scripture. You need to know why it's inerrant. There's no errors in it. You need to, you need to defend the deity of Christ. The deity of Christ. You need to defend salvation by grace through faith. If someone knocks, if someone knocks at your door or if someone approaches you at work, and that's all I want to tell you about Jesus. All you do is say this. You say, well, how do you think a person's saved? Are they saved through works or are they saved uh, by faith? Well, if they say works, well, you know, that's a problem to start with. Because for by works, your works are as filthy rags. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourself, not of works. It's, it's, a, it's a gift of God. So we have to be careful. We have to guard in regards to how we love our faith and learn our faith and then live by faith, live by the Word. And the greatest argument you can ever have is, uh, for the faith is the life that you live. But you, you need to have a warning here because if you're living the faith... If you're standing up for the Word of God, you're going to be called an old fogey, and you're going to be called old-fashioned, you're going to be called a Bible-thumper, and you're going to be called narrow-minded, and you're going to be called a, a right-winger, and you're going, to be, uh, you're going to be called all those things. But when you live the faith, the point is don't expect the world to receive you in open arms because they won't do that. And so contend for the faith by loving the faith, learning the faith, living the faith. And guard against being contentious. Ephesians 4.15 says this, Speak the truth in love. Always remember that. Jesus always loved people to him. Never was contentious. Never was arrogant. Never was rude. Please remember that. Contend in a loving spirit. Don't be bitter. Don't be arrogant. Don't be haughty. Remember, we live the faith by being Christ-like. That's how we live the faith. We win people over by speaking the truth in love. Please keep that in mind. And then we contend for the faith by losing our faith. Really, by losing our faith. We often hear people say this, you got to keep the faith. you got to keep the faith. No, we must be about the business of what? Sharing our faith. To lose the faith. Paul Little, in a book entitled, How to Give Away Your Faith, he said this, If we're not giving our faith away, maybe we should give it up, because it may not be real. If it's so good, and if it's so exciting about it, and we have it, and we know what all's involved and, and how it came about and what Christ did for us on the cross. And, and when we placed our faith and trust in Him, the benefits of that salvation, and we don't share that with anyone. Listen, we have a responsibility to contend for the faith. Have an inescapable mandate. We contend for the faith. How do we do that? Loving the faith, living the faith learning the faith, 
and losing the faith. So Paul's admonition. For there's certain, uh, <clears throat> beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the coming salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. What's the faith? It's not the belief and trust you placed in Christ. That's your faith in the doctrine. But the faith is from Genesis to Revelation. It is, it is the Word of God that was delivered, Aphex, once and for all. Can't add to it, take away from it. And so preachers are to preach the Word of God. That's what we're going to be ordaining Brother Mike to do. And not only is it for preachers, but it's for us to share as lay people also. Let's have a word of prayer together. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity for speaking to our hearts today about your word. Help us, I pray, Lord, to remember that it was once delivered. It's sacred. It's the Holy Scripture. It's the Holy Bible. And so, Father, it was... People say, well, Brother Sammy, it was, it was written by men. Oh, no. It was dictated by God and then written down by men. It's the inspired, God-breathed word of a holy God. So thank you, Lord, for teaching us today. Help us, we pray, to earnestly to contend, to defend the faith, your holy word. Help us to pattern our life by it. You tell us in your word that your word is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. Your word tells us that if we'll just follow your word, that it'll be a lamp, it'll lighten the way, for us to take the next step in the path that you've set before us. My goodness. So thank you, Lord, for the light of your word. And so, Father, we pray now uh, that you'll speak to hearts that are here this morning. Thank you for all that you've done and how you've blessed us with this wonderful book called the Bible, the Holy Scriptures. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning.